You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, awesome. Hey, thank you guys for joining us. We're, that's our series coming up next week. We're going to be talking about the greatest gift. And man, we have a lot of stuff planned for the Christmas season. Also, great job, Chandler. Thank you for making that video. Can we thank Chandler for doing all that work and putting it together? I, I, I'm a firm believer that Chandler does not sleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, literally, when we filmed this video, he's like, he's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't sleep last night. I was like, oh, you didn't sleep well last night? He's like, no, I didn't sleep. I was, I've been up for this whole time. I was like, oh, word. <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> um, but they really appreciate you, man. Thank you, creative team. I, I thought Hannah, Hannah, where are you? She's hiding. She doesn't like to see herself. She did great. But uh, we got lots of stuff coming up in this season uh, that we're calling The Greatest Gift. Um, we are going to talk about gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and what that means as far as Jesus Christ. But uh, we have a lot of stuff on the calendar, and you'll see that if you go to banner.church, you'll see that calendar. Uh, today, after service, we have a decorating day. We're going to decorate the church for Christmas, which will be fun. We'll have pizza available if you want to hang out after, help us decorate. Um, next week, we not only is it our last week to collect toys for our toy drive, which is a huge deal. We dropped off all the cards to the elementary school that is one of the ways we meet the need of our community and said, hey, invite, invite, invite. Um, and they told us there's a lot of need this year. So we're just trying to go above and beyond in any way possible. Uh, but next week after second service, we're going to have a block party, free food outside. How many are excited we can do stuff outside now? It's not a million degrees. Praise the Lord. It's not 150,000 degrees outside. But this is our time, guys. we got to get it. Um, then the next week, we have our toy giveaway on Saturday. It's Honolulu Elementary. And then on that Sunday, uh, we have Kids Christmas, which is the cutest thing ever. Um, so we got Kids Christmas that day. Then the 20th, just for fun, we decided to do a cookie throwdown. And uh, that might sound like the simplest thing, but I have never seen something bring out competitive spirit of people in our church like this cookie thing. There, there is a level of seriousness um, that, right, Katie? Katie is very serious about it this year. Um, I believe Melissa won last year, right? She decimated us. Um, amazing. Uh, but it, it's going to be an awesome, awesome season. Oh, wait, who won? Madison? Okay, so Melissa, she won the first year? Previous year. All right. Madison won last year. What did you make, Madison, last year? With a wreath. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I've seen your cookies. I'm not even going to make any, guys. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Right now, I am on the, I'm on the consuming end of this extravaganza. But we like to have fun. I know fun is banned in at least 12 countries currently, but here it's still legal, and uh, we like to have it when we can uh, in a safe way, in a respectable way, and so we're going to do that. We're going to have two Christmas Eve services on the 24th. Uh, we're going to have a 4 o'clock and a 5 o'clock p.m. Uh, that's just a 40, 40 to 45 minute service. Everyone's together. We'll have activity packs for your kids. We're going to do a Christmas story with your kids. We're also going to do some very deep and meaningful things. Uh, we're going to have some candle lighting, some um, hymns, and you're like, I don't want my kids around candles. Don't worry. We'll have a glow stick for your children. Um, we will not give your child fire or wax um, for the sake of our chairs and your sanity. 
but it's going to be a great year, uh, great Christmas season I'm believing for. But we are today going to wrap up our Angels and Demons series. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. How many of you guys have liked it so far? Good, good, good. Um, if you haven't watched the past two weeks, I really encourage you to go back uh, and watch. I mean, really as much as you've missed because um, uh, myself and I know Jamin have put a lot of time into putting these messages together to, to, to really bless the body and, and really give us a perspective beyond the physical. And that's the whole point of this series is to look beyond just what's happening in the physical and to understand biblically in a healthy way what is the supernatural and the spiritual and what does that mean for us right to look at what does the bible say so today we're going to end by talking about gabriel and the good news i want to pray for us before we begin and we're going to just jump right to it lord god i thank you for your word i thank you that it is transformative i thank you that it renews us i thank you that it even will, will stir our heart in conviction and bring us to a moment of repentance and and joy and freedom and i pray as we uh, hear of your word this morning as we walk through hearing about Gabriel. God, I pray you would just renew us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen. I, uh, how many of you guys still, you, you tune into the news, whether online or on TV? You're still connected to the news. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that, that's what I meant when I, my hand went up. Was, yeah, how many? Uh, I, 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 I've got to say, I feel for the people in our church that work in the news. Like, we have some people in our church that work in the news, and my heart goes out to you because this has got to be a tough time to do the news. Um, I can't imagine there's, like, an easy day in the news. I mean, a lot of jobs for people are hard right now, but the news is unique. I went online, and I was just, like, looking at the top headlines, and um, they're not great, guys. I don't know if you've gone recently on Google News. You don't leave feeling like, this is great. It's kind of like when I go to McDonald's. Like, I'm, I'm in a hurry and I'm hungry, so I go to McDonald's, but I leave feeling like, why did I come here? Why did I do this? This feels terrible, right? That's like when I watch the news. But I want to be informed, so I do it. Um, and I feel like nothing is more 2020 than the story I, I read recently where, I don't know if you guys have watched this or seen this, but they found this, like, two-person tall steel monolith in the middle of the Utah desert. Have you guys, some of you have seen this. Some of you are, like, going to instantly Google it. And I won't blame you. That's fine. Um, but they found, they were, they, were, they were counting sheep in the Utah desert, and they found in the middle of nowhere a giant two-story tall metal monolith, like, like it's a space odyssey or something, right? And, and my first response is, leave it alone, <laughs> right? Don't touch it, right? We have enough, guys. We have enough. We do not need to be touching futuristic sarcophagi of space mummies or whatever's in there, right? We don't need it. We don't need it this year, guys. Leave it alone. If they wanted it to be seen publicly, they would have put it up in like Times Square, but they put it in the desert. Leave it there, right? Because I feel like we're all living with this spirit of like not another thing right? You like have a, another, another thing's going to happen. Like I, we're not even playing with med, just bury it or leave it and never come back to it, right? But all joking aside, when we look at the news, there's not a lot of good things. It's kind of what I would deem as a season of bad news. I, I, I just clicked the, the top things, both in local and global news. Let me read you just the headlines in order. It says, Purdue Pharma, maker of Oxycontin, Expected to plead guilty to charges related to the nation's opioid crisis. 
Unexplained metal monolith discovered in a remote area of Utah's Red Rock country. Leave it there, guys. <laughs> Governor Como brutally mocked by columnists for accepting Emmy Award. Quote, he was fantastic on television. Quote, we just ran. Ethiopians fleeing war, finding little relief. I'm just reading you them in order. More than 2,400 workers at world's top glove maker tested positive for coronavirus. <laughs> I, I'm picturing the people that are stressing about that in my mind as I read that. <laughs> Paris police, in quote, shocking clash at migrant camp. Man fined for breaking French COVID lockdown to, quote, smash guy's face in. Guys, what's happening in France? Right? Are you watching the news right now? Like they're rioting currently about a law where you can't film police anymore. It's, it's crazy. They're burning buildings to the ground. It's like Portland, but everybody's speaking French. Russian police raid Jehovah's Witnesses' homes. Killing of black man in Brazil sparks protests. Are you kind of getting the trend here? This kind of stuff is happening around the world, right? There, there's just stuff happening around the world. And, and what I've noticed is in this constant cycle of access that we have to news, uh, we are constantly more and more aware of how much bad news there is out there, right? At any moment, right now, you could open up your phone. Some of you are doing it right now. And scroll through and just see everything going wrong in the world. The hard part with that is it doesn't make us more confident. We're like, yeah, but I'm more informed. Therefore, I will be confident. Unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, what is developed within us, I believe, is a greater spirit of dread, a greater feeling of dread, the feeling that something bad is going to happen at any point. Don't touch the monolith, right? Because who knows what's going to happen? Some ancient spore that's going to rise up and all of us are, you know, going to lose an arm. We don't know what's going to happen, right? There's a feeling within us, or in many of us, of a spirit of dread. Something bad is going to happen at some point. There's an anticipation of fear that I see in our culture. I talk to people, and it's like, I don't even know what's going to come next. Have you sensed this feeling? Have you talked to anybody with this feeling, or is this just me? Have you sensed this? People are afraid what's going to happen. What, what's going to happen tomorrow? Am I going to get sick tomorrow? Am I going to lose my job tomorrow? Am I going to lose my business tomorrow? Am I going to be able to pay my rent tomorrow? Maybe they're afraid of looking at our, our government structure, and they're concerned about what that means for the future. Maybe it's a fear you have of unknown war or disease or, or death or what the result of the election means for, for you and your family or what another result of another election would mean for your family or what happens if this person dies and this person this and what happens in this and we just live in a state of anxiety and fear. Can you sense that? I can sense that on our nation. Kind of a spirit of dread. But we're not the first group of people to live in tough times. And globally speaking, I think if we were to gain some perspective, I don't even think we have it the hardest globally. Because we're not even the first people in this year or this century or in this generation, so to speak, to live with a spirit of dread, to suffer. And some of you, you're just going to write that off because for you, maybe COVID has not been that impactful. You're an introvert who works from home and you still have a job. You still pay your rent. It doesn't really matter for you, personally speaking, right? Maybe it's just been inconvenient to wear a mask and not really have as many people at Thanksgiving, 
and that's fine. But for, for, for some people, it has been uh, a lot. Some of you, you've lost your business. You leveraged your future to build a business, and you have lost everything. It's more than staying home and staying safe. If you stay home, you will not be safe because of abuse or a tough situation. Or maybe some of you have lost your home. There's no place to even lock down in because you don't have a place to go. That's an over-exaggeration. I talked to somebody last week in that situation. Maybe some of you, you're living in a place where you have lost family members and you mourn the death of a person in your family. Maybe some of you, you have suffered hurt. Maybe some of you have had delayed medical procedures and that has caused further pain and out of this has come a sense of resentment. Maybe some of you, Thanksgiving was not a time of thankfulness. Thanksgiving was a time of frustration at your family members. I was reading about how domestic violence related deaths in Arizona alone have increased 140% during the lockdowns. The very first month of the lockdown, 500 people died beyond the average death statistic for opioid-related deaths. Meaning this, the very first month of the lockdown, opioid-related deaths rose by 40% and then continued to rise. Some of you are in that season of responding to this situation, therefore wondering what's going to happen, what's going to happen next, what's going to come next. God, this is, you know, we, we have this mentality of this is the worst year ever that has ever been, and for some of you it might be, but in the scope of global history, as, as God observes us in this place that we are, 2020, it, can I just say, is not an anomaly. There have been all kinds of diseases and trials and weather and government, political crisis all throughout human history. And in fact, when we go to the Word of God, there's been the same all throughout biblical history. All throughout, the, the people of Israel, the people of God have lived in uncertain times. And constantly in Scripture, we were reminded that this is not our home. This is not where we put our trust. This is not our final place. And if Scripture doesn't remind us, then the world does a pretty good job reminding us this is not subject to us. Nothing is more revealing of the joke of our own godhood than a disease that we cannot control that we think we might. Israel faced war, famine, leadership, suffering, persecution. Israel is brought into captivity. They're brought in as slaves. They face oppression. They face oppression from the Romans. Then, then, then Christianity rises up through Jesus Christ. But what happens to the Christians? They're persecuted. They're beaten. They're, they're gathered together and murdered. Right? I'm not talking about like Facebook. Your friends don't like the things you post because you meme too much. I'm talking about like real murdered in the Colosseum, kind of burned at the stake. Persecution. Christians have faced this. It is the nature of following Christ that you will be persecuted. You're like, this is a drag. <laughs> I agree. But I think we need some perspective here because I think it will be easy to look at human history. It will be easy to look at 2020. It will be easy to look at what we're facing right now and just think for the future and think what's going to come and just see dread. What's next? Who else in my family is going to pass away? What else am I going to lose? What else is going to be taken from me? I'm saying this to highlight, not minimize. Are you with me? 
Okay, this is important. I'm not minimizing. I'm highlighting the fact that the world is profoundly broken. Profoundly broken. And we wonder what new evil will happen. Guys, there was like murder hornets, and we didn't even think that was a big enough deal to bring up. All right, we're like, I don't have time for this. We kind of live in this state of what, what new evil thing is going to happen. But can I tell you importantly, God has a different message this season. You might be on the internet or might be on TV and only see bad news, but God has good news to tell you today. He has good news for your season. He has good news for your life. In all seasons, God has constantly reaffirmed to his people that there is good news, even though the world around them might seem like bad news. He is constantly reaffirming, he is constantly reestablishing with his people that through Jesus Christ, there is good news. And I love that when things are real bad, God is real creative at sending good news. In bad seasons, God is so good at giving his children hope. If we go all the way back to the promise of salvation with Abraham, all the way up to now, God is constantly using supernatural and powerful and beautiful ways to remind us, listen, I know you're turning on the news. It's not great. It's not good for your mental health for sure. It's not making you feel good. But God is still good, and God still has good things, and God's truth is good, and he's come to give you good news. How does this apply to angels and demons? Well, one of the greatest messengers of this good news is named Gabriel. Someone say Gabriel. Gabriel. There's uh, two angels in the Bible who are named Gabriel. And does someone know the other? Shout it out. Michael. <laughs> Michael, exactly. Michael. So Gabriel and Michael, two uh, angels named in Scripture, and they're often referred to as the archangel, Michael the archangel. And that means it's about an established rank within heaven. If you remember the chart we drew, uh, there was like a hierarchy in the, in the spiritual realm. And uh, we talked about how th there's, you know, a host and there's divine counsel and angelic beings. The archangels are kind of like leaders or chiefs amongst the angels of God's army of angelic beings. And so Gabriel is one of these key chiefs of angelic beings who brings the powerful message of God's good news. The name Gabriel actually means God is my warrior. And so, though Michael is seen in it, classically in the sense of being more in opposition to the efforts of the enemy and fighting and, and contending for us and standing in opposition to the lies of the enemy, and eventually will we'll come, and we, we know that the, in the great battle and all these things, it's, he's very contending. Gabriel is also that way. Gabriel often contends to bring the good news of what God wants to do. But Gabriel is a powerful angelic being. And so I want to look at today, if we're good with that, I want to look at today three major moments where Gabriel uh, comes and reveals what God is speaking. And then I want us to ask the question, why does this matter in my life? That this one really powerful angel came thousands of years ago and told some guy something about some prophecy, but now it's going to affect my Tuesday. So I want to talk about that. So let's do this. Let's look at a couple instances, if you would. And let's go to Daniel. If you brought your Bible, go to the book of Daniel. If not, it's going to be on the screen. And we're going to be in Daniel chapter 8. 
If you have the Bible app on your phone, you can just click Daniel. And if you're online, there's a little option uh, next to it where you can just push Daniel. But let me give you some context here. Daniel is a part of the people of Israel who have been taken captive by Babylon. And so he's been brought into slavery. But Daniel is really this powerful example of how you live with true uh, godly character in a government that does not reflect any of your character. I mean, it's, I think it's probably the most applicable, uh, one of the, the most applicable to this moment that we're in culturally is how do I live with full godly principle and conviction while also being like successful in a non-Christ-like world? Um, and that's a message for another day. But Daniel is powerfully kind of in this place. And Daniel, one of the things that, the, one of the reasons he's able to do this is because he was a man marked by prayer. If you want to be a person who represents godly character in a non-godly character setting, then you must first be a person of prayer who is constantly seeking the Lord, who is constantly going before God, who is constantly interceding, who is constantly praying with Him. It's not about what you post, it's about what you pray. That's what matters. And so Daniel is going before the Lord, and in chapter 8, he has this crazy vision of the future. I don't know if you ever had a vision, but this is a pretty um, intense vision from the Lord. It says in chapter 8 that he has this vision of this ram, you're like, that doesn't sound that crazy. Just wait. Um, he has a vision of a ram with one, one horn, uh, two horns, and one is bigger than the other. And that ram is standing on a post. And it's all symbolic. And then he sees a, a goat with one horn. And it's, it's like a conspicuous horn. He talks about how you know, it's, it's a weird-looking horn. But he's got this horn, not like, um, like this, but like this. Like a unigoat. Okay, you with me? So this unigoat, in his vision, sees this great ram, charges him unigoat style, and, and knocks, the, the goat, or knocks the ram down and takes power. And then Daniel sees, remember he's trying to, he's seeing something like deeply spiritual and he's trying to like understand it. Then that unigoat horn breaks off and becomes four smaller horns. And from one of those horns rises up a, a greater um, a nation or greater power that it tells us in chapter 8, it became so great that it threw down some of the hosts of heaven and even persecuted those who were uh, aligned with God. So that, that would be deeply concerning, right? I mean, visually, it's a little odd, but contextually, you're like, what does this possibly mean? I don't know if you ever had a weird dream. You thought, maybe I ate some weird pizza. I'm going to blame it on Papa John's. <laughs> but he has this powerful vision. It is very obviously supernatural. It is very obviously from God. If you get a vision from God, there is no doubt that it's from him, right? If you're like, how do I know it's, you'll know that it is something supernatural, and so he has this powerful vision of this moment. And it says that Daniel's not pumped about it. It says he's so concerned about it that he's physically ill. Have you ever been so anxious you get sick? Yeah. This is where Daniel is. D Daniel 8, if you're there, look with me. Daniel 8, 27. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Oh, wow, you guys are fast some scholars in the second service. It says, And I, Daniel, 
was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. So Daniel in this whole experience is so overwhelmed by this vision and what's happening. And so in this moment, God sends, in this whole process, God sends Gabriel to Daniel to reveal the truth of what it is. So here's what happens. Daniel 8, 15. It says, When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. That's important. Remember that in your mind, having the appearance of a man. He said, And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai, and it called, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he, meaning Gabriel, said to me, Understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. So part of Daniel's vision is for future events, not in the end of the world, but in the end of the age. So what's about to happen governmentally and politically and nationally in this age? And it says, he came before him having the appearance of a man. The word there literally means that he had the opinion, uh, appearance of a mighty human, right? It was a mighty man, a, a powerful figure. And it says, Daniel frightened and fell on his face. How many of you think that's an understandable uh, response to an angel, right? If you saw an angel come before you, how many of you would be like, eh, I would fall on my face, right? That would be a powerful moment. It's understandable to be uh, a, a, a little frightened, right? If, if an angel came down right now, we can act nonchalant about this, but I'll tell you right now, if an angel of the Lord appeared here in this moment, it might change some of y'all's attitudes. You're like deleting things off Instagram. You're like repenting of things. You're calling up your mom like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Thanksgiving didn't really matter that much. Like, I'm sorry, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, that's not that funny. That hit too close. Um, but we'd be like, oh my gosh, some of us, we'd just cry. Some of us, we'd be pumped. Some of us would be confused. Some of you would pick a different church, whatever it might be. But, <laughs> but if an angel fell, we would be shocked. And so was Daniel, understandably. And he falls on his face, but he doesn't just fall on his face because he's overwhelmed by the idea that it's an angel. In, in a negative sense, that he's afraid. He's overwhelmed because the angel comes with, with the glory uh, of God and the presence of God that comes with him. So he's overwhelmed by the presence of God. I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but I've been in moments where the presence of God was, and God was moving by the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that just like leveled me. It was not a physical response. I wasn't looking for glory. I didn't get up and like crowd surf, but it just like laid me on the floor. And I was like, whatever you want, God, whatever you want to do, here, I'm here. Amen, baby. And it just leveled Daniel before the Lord. Daniel 8, 18 says, And when he'd spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Literally, he said, I fell unconscious. He says, But he touched me and made me stand up. He said, Behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. And Gabriel begins to explain to him, okay, this horn stands for this, and this horn stands for this, and, you know, this is going to happen, and this is what's going to happen. And it turns out he was right which is a good sign for the Bible. Amen? 
You're like, how do you know? It's like, because we have history books that tell us these things happened in this order, and they were, you know, based off this vision and understanding, and they come true. What we see is uh, quite a few years later, probably about 20 years, Daniel is praying for his people because they're threatened again. And in Daniel 9, 21, it says, While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. Isn't that an interesting phrase? He came to me in swift flight. There's like an urgency to Gabriel when he comes to him. He, he's moving. Things of God are moving. They're happening. There's a sense of urgency. That we know that there's a battle and a contention happening. So Gabriel's trying to come in and bring the good news to Daniel. It says, he made me understand with speaking and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I've come to tell it to you. You are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So Gabriel comes to Daniel and, and visits him, and, and he appears as a man. And I think this is important because, remember, some angels look kind of wild, right? I saw someone post a meme where they showed kind of like the, the, the cute version of angels and then like the biblical version and the difference of how terrifying they are, right? And then it was like this, this wheel with eyes and six wings was like, be not afraid. And the person says, sir, this is the most terrifying moment of my life, right? So we know some angels have six wings and they cover their feet and they bring coals. And we know that um, some are like, they have like the lion head and the, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, it, that's a little scary. Um, but this angel, Gabriel, appears mostly, as we see him in Scripture, as a man. Daniel 10.5 tells us, I lifted up my eyes, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Okay, so he's like a man, but also kind of not, right? He's got, he's got, um, he comes to me, he, he's got linen, he's dressed nice, he looks good. Ladies, he looks good, right? And he's got the smolder down. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And he's bronzing, he's tan. He's tall, dark, handsome, flaming eyes and words that sound like a multitude. Sorry, he's an angel. You can't have him. <laughs> but, right, he's, like, powerful and beautiful and, and, and unique and amazing. He's not, you know, just some guy who's, like, casually rolling up, like, could this be an angel? Or is it just somebody wanting $5? What could it be? We'll never know, right? This is, like, very obviously flaming eyes, bronze and skin. He's got a voice like a multitude. It's like, this is a dude, but this is an angel. He looks like a man. Daniel 10, 9 says, Then I heard the sound of his words, the sound of the words that sound like a multitude. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Kind of same response. It says in Daniel 10, 10, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So Gabriel isn't just um, uh, good-looking, powerful-looking, beautiful-looking. He's also a powerful being. Right? He is powerful. When he touches Daniel, there's something supernatural that happens to Daniel's body where he's overcome, and it affects his physical state, and he falls, right, because he's overwhelmed. And I've had that talk with people who have had encounters with angelic beings. There's usually some physical response because, surprise, we're kind of physical beings, right? Like, we exist mostly here, but we are also spiritual in the sense that uh, we have a soul. But... It's intersecting Daniel in the physical. 
It says he touched him. But Gabriel is also powerful in the sense that we know that he contends. Gabriel is a fighter. He says, I was fighting the, the king of Persia. I was fighting Molech, right? Like I was fighting Satan, and then Michael came and helped me out so I could come here. He came over and took, took over for me. So what does that mean? It means probably even right now, there are angelic beings like Gabriel and Michael fighting Satan. Like, that sounds kind of crazy. Yeah, I agree. That sounds pretty intense, but it's also true. There's a spiritual battle occurring, and Gabriel and Michael are part of that spiritual battle in fighting the enemy. There is a battle taking place. There is a resistance in the supernatural. And so Daniel 10, 11, the very next verse, he says, He says to me, O Daniel, greatly loved, understand the words I speak to you. Stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. When he spoke this word to me, I stood up trembling. Second encounter that we see with Gabriel is in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 here just till the end. So if you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 1. And in Luke chapter 1, it starts in kind of a unique way. Because it doesn't start with immediately the birth of Jesus. It starts with the birth of John the Baptist. And when you read uh, Luke chapter 1, it really mentions kind of the time of Herod. And if you don't know who Herod is, he was the worst. <laughs> and he was a ruler, and he persecuted the Jewish people. And his dynasty were a bunch of inbred psychopaths that spent most of their time killing Jewish people. And that was kind of their pastime. We know eventually he beheads John for the sake of having a good old party because John didn't like that he married his sister. And, I don't know, medicine would tell us John was right. Um, <laughs> but they're crazy. And so the Jews are being heavily persecuted. They're crying out to God. And it says in Luke chapter 1 that there is an elderly priest named Zechariah. And Zechariah had an also elderly wife named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was barren, meaning she couldn't have children. And she was now at the point where to have a child, much like Abraham and Sarah, would have been surprising, to say the least, right? And so the prayer of their heart was to have a child, was to have a baby. The prayer of their life was to have a baby. And so Zachariah, he's part of this priestly order that is tasked with caring for the temple. And so they would go in and they would bring incense. But in order to go in, you had to be chosen by lot. Right? It was a big deal to be able to go into the presence of God. Like, I'm very thankful that we live in, a, in an age where, where Christ tells us, and we're told in Scripture, that our body is the temple of God, that, that God dwells with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we don't have to go into a, a temple per se to engage in His presence and where He rests and reigns, nor do I have to fear having not confessed something and dropping dead and them having to drag me out by a rope. Right? How many of you are thankful for that today? Amen. <laughs> But Zechariah was part of this order that did have to go in. And so he was drawn by Lot. He was giving the favor of the Lord. So here you have an elderly man who's been praying and believing to encounter God. And he finally gets to go in and have his moment. And it says he goes in, and, and I can imagine the fear and the excitement and the joy and the concern and all of this. And he goes in, and he has this encounter with Gabriel. Luke 1.10 says this. It says, The whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fell, and fear fell upon him. Again, I, I probably would also have that response. 
But the angel tells him, he says, listen, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. He's going to be full of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to lead the people of Israel to the Lord. He's going to begin to prepare a way to the Lord and begin to set the tone for what's going to come. And you're like, oh my gosh, could you imagine you're praying for a son? An angel appears to you. I don't know what you're praying for today, but imagine if an angel appeared to you and you're just like, you're going to get it, but like in the dopest way possible. You'd be like, yeah, or maybe you would do this. <laughs> Luke 1.18 says, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. That's a great way of saying old. <laughs> how old are you this year? Oh, I'm about advanced in my years, right? <laughs> That's such a human response. I've been praying for this. I've been praying for this. I've been praying for this. God shows up. He gives you. He's like, I've, I've come to bring you a message. I've come to give you an answer. And you're like, yeah, but are you sure, God? Are you sure? Right? Are you sure you can do it? It's like, yeah, that's literally, I feel like if I was Gabriel, I'd be like, yeah, dummy, that's why I'm here. <laughs> if you could do it, you wouldn't need me to show up, right? If, if that, that's why you were praying, that's why you're here with like the temple and the incense. You need supernatural methods. The fact I'm here says it's possible, right? He's like, are, are you sure? Are you sure? That's such a human response. God, please answer my prayer. God shows up, we're like, I don't know if he can do it. It says, and the angel said to him, I love this response. I kind of, I detect a tone. It says, I am Gabriel. <laughs> I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Can I be honest? I think this is the best thing he could have done. You're like, that sounds like a curse. That sounds like a blessing to me, to be honest. It says, you're going to be quiet with your words until the promise comes. Why, why do I think that's a blessing? Because often we can undo with our lips what we have tried to accomplish with our prayers. Right, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying, and yet we allow the rest of our words and the doubt of our words and the way we speak to ourselves, to others, to the people around us, to deny what we've been praying about. Right? We prayed, God, grow the church. And then we're so upset that, like, there's messy people around us. The people are difficult. We're, like, so surprised. Like, God, grow your church. Grow your kingdom. It's like, oh, man, now I have to, like, talk to these people? Like, I don't, right? We begin to deny what God is beginning to do, what we're praying and believing for. God, bring broken people so you can bring breakthrough. But, like, we don't want to, then we go back and we complain that they're messy and they're difficult. Right? Right? We complain about each other and we gossip about each other. Like, oh, this person's difficult. And this person's mess. He's like, yep. We deny the prayers of our heart by the words of our mouth. Are you with me? We say, God, give me direction. Give me direction. Give me some guidance. Tell me what to do. Give me some guidance. He says, okay, this is the direction I'm putting on your life. And we're like, God, this is so hard. <laughs> God, this is so difficult. You have no idea what you're asking of me. He's like, seriously? I'm like omniscient. I have no idea what this is. It's so hard for me. I just want to I just want to go here. I just want to move back over here. I want to live this life. This is too much for me, God. And we deny and we undo with our lips what we have tried to accomplish with our prayers. I remember this. I don't know if you had a mom like I had, uh, but my mom said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. How many of you had that in your life? Well, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. How about this? 
Sometimes if you can't speak words of faith, it's better to just not speak at all. To just be quiet. To be still. To just kind of have a little bit of shh. Right? Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's better to be still. Gabriel's saying, listen, you, you prayed for it. You asked for it. You believe for it. I'm here to bring you the promise. God has sent it to you, but now your words of doubt are not helping anyone. Your words of doubt are not helping, are not going to help your wife. Your words of doubt are not going to help your family. The word, your words of doubt are not going to help your friends. They are only going to come against what you have been praying for. This is a powerful thing. I hope, I hope you're with, are you with me this morning? This is a powerful thing because as we are believing for the impossible through the Lord God, he calls us to not only have faith in our heart, but in our speech. Right? To not only believe it in our spirit, to believe for what he's promised, but to speak it out as well. There is life and death in the power of the tongue. And some of us are killing what we have prayed for because of the fruit of our mouth. But he's saying, listen, just take a little bit of shh, so that when the promise comes, you can just celebrate, right? Because if I promise, I will be faithful to do it. How do we know he's faithful? Well, because of the third time we see Gabriel. Six months later, Gabriel appears again, this time to bring the greatest news ever given. If you're in Luke with me, go to Luke 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee, Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man who was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. In the sixth month of what? Elizabeth's pregnancy. I think that's important, right? God says in the beginning, listen, you're going to have a child. He's like, are you sure? God's like, I'm so sure that, right? And then we see later, he says, in the sixth month of the pregnancy, he comes again. Can we just say God is faithful? If you're struggling with something today, hear me say, God is faithful. Amen? Hear people around you believe and agree that God is faithful. That's Elizabeth's pregnancy. What he promised, what he promises Zechariah, he's faithful to do. He's faithful. So it says an angel comes to Nazareth. That's a town about 150 people. Maybe at max 300. And what's interesting is later on in Scripture, a common kind of phrase is, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? Have any of you from a town where if, like, somebody really famous came from there, you'd be like, no. Right? <laughs> they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, they're accepting an award. They're like, I'm from so-and-so. You're like, you're not. <laughs> I went to the high school. You were not from here. Right? That's Nazareth. Right? It's, it's not a big deal. And not only is the town not a big deal, but look who he comes to. This is a virgin named Mary who is betrothed to a man named Joseph. That, that phrasing is important. A virgin who's about to be married. She's about to be married for the first time. So in Western culture, the average age of a woman who's going to be married for the first time is about 28. In this culture, the average age of a woman who is about to be married for the first time is 12 to 14. Some of you have 13-year-olds. You're like, nope. <laughs> Well, things were a little different. They didn't have teenagers back then. <laughs> they had adults or children, right? And, uh, but I do think it's important that 
the, the angel Gabriel is bringing probably the most powerful news eternally to a 13-year-old. How many of you can remember being 13 and are like, I don't know how well I would process that information, right? Like, just let's be real. As a 13-year-old boy, I probably would have made a joke and got smited. I'm just saying, if I'm going to be totally real right now, right? 13, I, you know, 13, I'm thinking about being, when I was 13, how would you process that information? That is a powerful moment. You're just in your room, and then, angel. That, I mean, that would have been, it was scared me, if I'm going to be honest. I know some pretty tough 13-year-olds. Actually, I know no 13-year-olds. <laughs> now that I think about that, I was thinking of my daughter. She's six. I feel like she probably would have, like, mouthed off to the angel or tried to fight him or something. Um, but there's a profound moment that's happening here. And in Luke 1, he says, and I love the way he speaks with her. It's so gracious but powerful. He says, Greetings, O favored one. Remember, he's speaking to like this 13-year-old girl, no power, no authority that she has. She's faithful, we know that, but she doesn't have a name. She doesn't have recognition. This should make us feel good, right? If, if you feel like, I don't have the pedigree for God to do something in my life, just remember that Mary was essentially nobody except through what Christ did in her life and her faithfulness. It says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. It says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and shall call his name Jesus. Okay, so that's probably one of the most powerful messages of all human history, right? Delivered to a 13-year-old girl. Imagine being 13, women in this, in this church, and an angel appears to you and says, Hey, heads up, you're about to have the Son of God. That might be a lot. But it's this beautiful, powerful moment where he says, you are favored by God. And so I'm going to bring you the best news that has ever been known in the history of mankind. And you are going to carry that good news, give birth to that news, raise that good news up, see him uh, crucified on the cross and raised to the resurrection. And he is going to be the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords. He is going to change the world. He's going to sit on his throne forever. I just tell you, I, I think the job of Gabriel would be awesome. Just finding terrible situations where people are suffering and just bringing good news, like God is still good, God is still faithful. That sounds like an amazing job. I don't know what job you work, but I, I would up for that right now, right? Just like, hey, listen, God, that's kind of my job already. God is faithful. <laughs> I get God is faithful. God is good. God is here. He brings good news. And I think it's just this amazing role as heavenly host, amazing role, Gabriel, and, and his personality and how he brings it before Mary. I think it's really awesome. And, and, and I love this kind of consistent principle in every message that God gives us hope, that he sees us. And especially in a season of bad news, he is constantly reminding us that there is good news through Jesus Christ. Just a couple things that Gabriel's message tells us real quick. First thing, don't fear the future. Don't fear the future. Some of you, you're living with fear of what's around the corner, what's around the bend, what's going to come, what's going to happen, what's next, what's next, what's next. You, you're living with a spirit of dread. I was talking to someone the other week that's just so afraid of what's going to come, and I, like, didn't have the heart to tell them about the book of Revelations, and they're just so worried about 2021. I'm like, just wait, right? <laughs> We're told there's going to be persecution and things are going to be hard. But we live in a sense of fear. But some of you are not even afraid of 2021. Maybe you're afraid of what God has called you to. Like Daniel. 
like Zechariah. You are afraid of what this might mean or if it's going to happen. You live almost uh, in a fear of what God has for you. But the constant message of Gabriel is to not live in fear. Daniel 10, 12, it says, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. Luke 1, 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Luke 1, 30, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. It's not just fear of angelic presence. It's don't be afraid of what God is trying to do through your life or wants to do in the future of what he's preparing you for. Listen, I know it's scary. It seems unsure. It seems uh, un unclear maybe in this moment. You're not even sure how the dots are going to connect themselves. But he says, do not be afraid. God is with you. God is for you. You are favored and loved and precious to him. He sees you and knows you. And he's come to say, you don't have to live in fear of tomorrow. Because God is with you today. Are you still with me? Amen? Second thing that we learn from Gabriel's message is that God hears our prayers. Some of you this morning, you need to hear this because you've been praying for a long time. Anyone ever prayed for something for like such a long time that eventually even the prayer for it gets a little mundane? Right, you're praying for so long, it's like you almost even begin to forget to pray for it. It's become such a part of the rhythm of life. But the message of Gabriel is that God hears our prayers. Daniel 9, 23. I'm just going to read these quick. It says, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. Daniel 10, 12 says, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God. Luke 1, 13 says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Luke 1, 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. It might not feel like it, but God's constant reminder to us is that he hears you. He has heard your prayers. You might be praying for a long time and unsure. You're like, does anyone hear this? But God hears your prayers. You're not sending well wishes or good thoughts. You're not trying to divine something up or stir something up. God hears when you speak to him. It is as simple and clear as that. There might be a battle for the victory taking place. There might be a contending happening in the spirit. There might be a process. There might be a miracle that's already occurring. You can't even see. But what you can know biblically 100% is when you pray, God hears you. Third thing, God reveals, this is the message of Gabriel, God reveals his will in his presence. Reveals it through his presence to us. Luke 1.19, it says, The angel answered him, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Gabriel was in the presence of God, so he knows God's will. The same is true for us. The presence of God is how he reveals his will to us. So many people I talk to say, how am I going to know God's plan for my life? How am I going to know God's will for my life? And my response is by having an intimate relationship with him. See, so often we see God's plan and will for our life in these big moments, these big epic decisions. Where should I go to work? Where should I buy a house? Anyone had to make a big decision lately? What should I do? But that's not how God's will is always revealed. Mostly it's revealed through the consistent small moments in our life where we are constantly stewarding the relationship that he has given to us. Right? Those small moments build a framework, build a matrix, so to speak, for a greater sense of stewardship 
stewardship of larger moments because it builds a character within us. If you want to know God's will for your life in 2021, then set your heart upon him, be renewed and transformed by him, and it will be a result of the character produced in your life. I know that's a lot, so let me make it really small, really, really, really simple. If you spend time with God, you will know his will. Two more things. You still with me? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Two more things. Ben, you can come up. Two more things. One, nothing is impossible with God. The message of Gabriel so clearly in Scripture, not only in those moments, but to us, is nothing is impossible with God. No mountain's too big. No problem is too great. Ain't no mountain high, no valley low, right? Ain't no river wide enough, Gabriel. <laughs> Nothing is too much for God. Nothing is too great for God. Angel comes to Mary. She says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She's not like Zechariah who's kind of doubting. She's like genuinely like, how do we make this happen, Lord? Like, what do we do here? Let me know because I, I want to be in obedience to you. And the angel Gabriel says, you might think this is impossible, but look, 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 look. Look what I have done through Elizabeth. She couldn't get pregnant physically. And so what happened spiritually? I intervened. She's in, she is pregnant now. And if it was impossible by human standards for her, and it's impossible, and I did it, and now it's impossible by human standards for you, I can do it too. Some of us, we need to remember the mountains that God moved in our life. As we pray and believe for the impossible going forward, some of us, we need to remember the miracles that God did in our life. Isn't it crazy how quickly the miracles we prayed for can be the mundane things we complain about? Our children, our spouses, our lives, our freedom. Isn't that crazy? Our jobs. We're like, God, deliver me a job. Six months later, like, I hate this place. <laughs> right? God, deliver me a spouse. God, bring someone who's going to love me. You know, five years later, you're like, oh, my gosh, everything you do makes me angry. Right? Because we live in a space where we forget the miraculous. But can I tell you, maybe you just need to write it down, put it on your arm, your hand, your journal, write it on the side of your car and uh, screwdriver, whatever you need to do to remember that God has done something miraculous in your life and will continue to do it because nothing is impossible with God. If you don't have a deep pocket to reach back in to find those experiences, then, then hear an even greater reason, which is simply that if Jesus rose and defeated death, hell, and the grave, he can give you victory in your life. If God rescued your soul, why can't he rescue your relationships? If God restored your life, why can't he now restore your family? If God is hope through Jesus Christ is hope for the world and peace to the world, then why could he not bring peace and hope to your life? If he's a God of new things, why could he not birth something new inside your life? Nothing is impossible with God. Luke 1, the angel says, for nothing will be impossible. Gabriel looks at Mary and says, Mary, nothing's going to be impossible for God. My final thing, final message of Gabriel, and the most important one, Simply this, if you're taking notes, please write this down. If you're not taking notes, note just this one. Jesus is the good news sent to save us. Man, this is the most important thing. If you, if you tuned out, it was a little warm, or you're a little tired, and you have tuned out, wake up for this moment right now. 
And hear me say to you, there is nothing more important than this right here. Jesus is the good news sent to save us. This is the most powerful part of Gabriel's message. There's so many things summed up, but the big constant thing is that God has sent his son to be the fulfillment of the promise for us. Luke 131, he says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. This is how we can be realistic and optimistic at the same time. We can truly understand the brokenness of the world and yet live with the hope that's not just false optimism. Because when we step into a relationship with Jesus, we recognize the hope for every future and the healing for every past that comes through the Son of God who was sent to take our sins upon himself, that sin and shame that separates us from God, to take it upon himself, to take it to the cross, though he was perfect, that he bore our judgment, the wrath of God upon himself, that he was crucified, that he died, that he went to the grave, and that on the third day, he rose again in victory to bring us new life. And now, at the end, that though our sin would lead to judgment, though our sin and the separation and all of that would lead to judgment from a perfect God, rather than being in judgment, it says, the old is gone, the new has come. Because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is the good news. It does not matter what you turn on on the TV, what comes on your Twitter feed, what you go to in, in, in the news app or whatever you're looking at. It does not matter how bad that news is. You can wake up every day with good news in the depths of your soul when Jesus Christ reigns over your life because he is the constant and the eternal good news. This is why people who have suffered since the beginning of time in trials and tribulations have still been able to proclaim God is good, God is good, bless my soul it is well with my soul because who reigns in there is the good news you don't need to be afraid of the future you don't need to be afraid of your past you just need to rest in the good news of Jesus Christ today whether that's through receiving it for the first time or saying once again God set my eyes upon you Jesus not the waves and the trials around me set my eyes upon the good news not the bad news set my eyes upon you would you stand and let's pray together before we worship the close. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me? I want to give an opportunity this morning. We're going to pray for two things. The very first is this. If, if you have never made that decision to set your heart upon Jesus and say, I surrender my heart to you. And if you're longing today for God to do a miracle in your life, that when you hear the old is gone and the new has come, that's what you long for, to be made new through Jesus Christ. That is not a moment of condemnation. It's a moment of freedom. You're not coming before Jesus to get judged because he has taken the judgment upon himself. You are coming to Jesus to be loved and to be freed through surrendering your heart and repentance before him and receiving the hope for every future and the healing for every past that comes through Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, you have never said yes to that relationship with Jesus. You have never begun that journey. And you're saying, today, I want to say yes, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. Maybe you had 
previously in your life surrendered your heart to Christ, but maybe because of hurt in your life or even hurt by the church, you have wandered far and you said, uh, Jesus, I love the idea of you, but it's just hard for me to give my life to you. Can I tell you your moment is now to say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. I need the hope for my future and the healing for my past. If that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus today in any form, I'm just going to invite you, whether you're here in person or you're online, just to lift your hand and put it back down. Every eye closed and head bowed. You're saying, I'm going to say yes to Jesus today. I want us to pray together. And I'm just going to ask everybody here, whether you're online or in person, if you would just repeat after me this morning in agreement. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for taking my sin all the way to the cross, for laying it in the grave and rising again to bring me new life. I give you my heart. I repent of all my sin and I choose today to follow you and receive hope and receive healing in your holy name. Amen. Second thing, eyes closed, head bowed. If you're here this morning, maybe you've been living in a spirit of dread or a spirit of frustration, just an attitude of bad news. You're struggling. You're struggling to step in to the joy of Jesus Christ. And you're saying, Jesus, I, I need to set my heart upon you. Holy Spirit, not by my will, but by your power, would you renew me? Would you encourage me? Would you strengthen me? Would you set, help me to set my heart upon Christ, to pursue him, to recognize the good news alive in my life? If that's you and you're saying, I need to make that shift from the spirit of fear to the spirit of God, and I'm just, I need some renewal this morning, would you just lift your hands with me? I want to pray with you today. I'm going to lift my hands too. I'm going to pray over you today. So I got to see renewal through the power of the Holy Spirit, not by the power of man, not by the power of will, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you. Our man is going to lead us in this beautiful song, but let's pray together. God, I thank you for every life here today and every person who's saying, God, it's not going to be by my power. It is by your power that I'm renewed. Renew within me a steadfast heart and a right spirit. Renew within me a heart set upon you above all. God, renew within me the joy of salvation. Renew within me a heart for others. Renew within me an encouraged spirit. Renew within me a joy for the future that comes through you and what you want to do. God, release over every life here. We break a spirit of fear, a spirit of dread. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus, I pray a renewal. I pray that as we worship God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would be Begin to lift and stir and renew and rejoice every heart and every life today that we would leave rejoicing not in a situation but in the spirit of God and receiving the good news. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for bearing my sin and my shame. Thank you for rising again. Thank you for inviting me into the resurrection of new life. God, may I reflect upon that and walk in the hope for every future and healing for every past that comes through you, Jesus Christ. We thank you. I pray as we worship God that you would renew our spirit in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.